0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Come
1: on, isn't that amazing? That's so awesome so exciting to see everything that God is doing here at OSC. We're going to jump right into the Word for week three, this final week of legacy. We're looking at Genesis 22, 1 through 12. It reads like this. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. He said, Here I am. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, I and the boy will go over there and worship. This is the first time we ever see worship mentioned in the Bible, and it is in the context of sacrifice. We will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. He said, here I am, my son. Isaac said, I I, I see the fire in the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, and I want us to all say this together, God will provide. Come on, say that again. God will provide. I want to remind somebody that this morning that your provision, (laughs) it's not in the hands of our president. Your provision is not in the hands of the economy, because that would be a little scary. Your provision is not even in the hands of your employer. Your provision is in the hands of the provider. That's this confidence we see here from Abraham, who has no clue what the sacrifice is going to be, but he's telling his son in faith, Philippians 4, 19, I don't quite know, but I know my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. I love what John Bevere says about fearing God. He says, fearing God doesn't mean that you're afraid of God. Fearing God means that you're afraid to live without God. Now I know that you're so desperate to live with God that you've not even withheld the most valuable thing to you, your son. This morning, if you're taking notes, I wanna talk to you from this topic on week three, the final week of Legacy. I wanna talk to you about leaving a godly legacy. About a year ago, we got a phone call to the church and a woman that was attending this location had passed away and I didn't have the privilege of knowing this woman, but I had the privilege of preaching the funeral. And I remember going to the funeral and sitting down and watching her 25-year-old son get up and begin to share about his mother. I remember he, uh, he shared about how she was an avid Dallas Cowboys fan. Come on, that's sad. <laughs> like, brother, you just could have left that part out. He began to share about his mom's favorite recipes, chocolate chip cookies, and, and then he began to talk about the sacrifice. And I watched as he began to weep and began to tell everyone how for four years when he went to college, his mom worked three jobs to put him through college, four years. And you know, it was the craziest thing because I had never had the privilege of meeting this woman, but I felt like I knew her my entire life because although she was no longer with us, her legacy was. Because legacy is a life without you, but still influenced by you. And I got to be honest, as I'm sitting there listening to this young man talk about the sacrifice of his mom, I couldn't help but ask myself the question, what legacy am I going to leave? Inevitably that day will come for all of us, and what, what are my children going to say? I love what Jason Warner says about legacy. He says, please think about your legacy, because make no mistake, you're writing it every day. I believe in the story we're reading this morning, we see the blueprint on how to leave a godly legacy. Now, in the story we're reading, the central focus is on Abraham. Uh, Outside of Moses, there's no one else mentioned more in the Old Testament than Abraham, James actually calls Abraham God's friend. How many like to have that nickname? Hey, my name is Joseph, people call me God's friend. Uh, Abraham's importance, his impact and his legacy is seen all throughout scripture. And I believe in this story we're reading, we see three things that Abraham modeled for you and I, that if you and I will model, we too could leave a godly legacy. If you're taking notes this morning, I wanna give you three things, three pillars of a godly legacy. The first one is faith. Come on, say that with me. Parents, let me talk to you for a moment. Moms, dads, the most important thing that we will ever leave our children is not a dollar amount in a bank account. It's not investment properties or a beach house in Destin. Although dad, if you would like to leave me a beach house in Destin, (laughs) I appreciate that. And your grandson, John Wesley. Yes, none of those things. The most important thing that you could ever leave your children is the thing that never fades away. It's the foundation of faith. Pastor, how do you know that? Because Psalms 92, 13 tells us, it says, those that are planted in the house of the Lord, read that last part with me, shall flourish. Now, I love this about God. You see this several times throughout scripture, where essentially God says, if you'll do your part, I'm always faithful to do my part. We see this in scriptures like Romans 8, 28, where God says, I will work all things together for the good. Aren't you grateful for that scripture? What that scripture says is your mistakes, the failures, the failed marriage, the failed relay, don't worry, I will work all that together for the good for those who love me and keep my commands. You see that, right? We see the same thing in the passage I just read to you in Psalms. Now, let me just pull the room for a moment just, parents, how many of you want your children to be blessed? What, you, the rest of you want your children to be cursed? <laughs> how many want your children to be blessed? Okay. How many of you want your children just to have favor of God on their lives? Wherever they go, just favor follows their footsteps. How many of you want your children to flourish? Then plant them in the house. Because what that scripture says is if you will be faithful to plant them, I will be faithful to flourish them. And this is what we see in the story we're reading. Genesis 22, one. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. I want you to see this. The very first thing God asks Abraham to do is offer his son on the altar for God. Parents, do you know that today, that same biblical mandate is true for you and I? That we're called to plant our children, the most valuable thing, on the altar for God? Unfortunately, today, I see it backwards. Where families are no longer sacrificing their children on the altar for God, families are now sacrificing God on the altar for their children. I'm gonna remind you, children are a blessing from God and they belong to God. And every time we plant them in his house, we're simply returning the gift back to the giver. So often I see families worshiping the gift and forgetting the giver of the gift. I know, I get it, you know, I was in youth ministry. Pastor, you don't understand, I have teenagers, like my teenagers don't like coming to church. I, I, I get it. Let me remind you. God is much more concerned about your children's future than he is their feelings. Let me give you a scripture, parents. Joshua 24, 15. It says, as for me and my household, we will as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Culture's going to change. Look, church, this might not be your friend's thing, but it's our thing. You come to my house, you live under my roof. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love what Billy Graham says about this. He says, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy faith the first thing we see that abraham did he had faith the second thing we see that abraham did is he had obedience come on say obedience Look at genesis 22one 1 through 3 it says take your son your only son isaac whom you love and go to the land of moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering i got to be honest as a parent like this is tough some of you teenagers are like, this is not tough. I'll do it today. I'll, I'll bring the gas and the matches. <laughs> yeah, like this is, this is tough. Just like, that's, offer my son on a burnt offering. That that's, that's difficult. And I love that it's difficult. I love this part of scripture because it's a perfect picture of what we're called to do when God asks something of us that we don't understand. What do you do when God asks you to give more than you have? What do you do when God asks you to sacrificially do something that doesn't make sense? I don't know, Well, let's see with Abraham right here. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning. I love the Bible because the verbiage is so intentional. It didn't say Abraham went the next day. It said early in the morning. Abraham's response was radical obedience. Uh, I wanna teach you something this morning. The distance between knowing what God is asking you to do and you doing it measures your spiritual maturity. The distance between knowing, okay, God, I know what you're calling me to do, I know what you're calling me to give, I know what you placed on my heart, and you putting that faith into action, that gap measures your spiritual maturity. Whenever you live a life of radical obedience, you know what you actually do? You actually put yourself right in alignment with God's will for your life. I don't know if you know this, but God has a plan for your life. Maybe this is your first time coming to church and you've been told that every day is just a coincidence. You just wake up. There's no purpose. No, you have a creator who's ordained your footsteps. In fact, I don't Say that, Jeremiah 29, 11 says it, 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God does have a plan for your life, but I want you to hear me. I, I grew up in church and I bought into this false way of thinking that because God has a plan for my life, I can smoke what I want, drink what I want, sleep with who I want, do what I want when I want. And one day I'll just fall into this plan thing. I wanna help you. God is a preference for your life. It's his preferred future for your life. It's what he wants to see happen. It's what he's willing to part Red Seas to make happen. But hear me, in order for God's preference to become your experience, it requires your participation. You gotta be obedient. But Deuteronomy 28, one tells us. It says, if you fully obey, fully obey the Lord and carefully follow all his commandments, I give you today, the Lord, your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Fully obey, radical obedience, immediate obedience. My mama used to tell me slow obedience is no obedience. Thank you, mama. I love what Jim George says about this obedient lifestyle. He says, when you yield yourself in complete and wholehearted obedience to God, he can do great things through you. How many wanna be a vessel for God to use and do great things through? Just be obedient. The second thing we see, Abraham, is he, he lived a life of radical obedience when it cost everything, when it cost the most important thing. No hesitation, immediate response. And lastly, you see that he lived a life of sacrifice. Yeah, let's read together Genesis twenty two ten. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter. Another word for slaughter is sacrifice, his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son Faith, we see obedience and we see sacrifice. You wanna leave a legacy of godliness? You walk by faith, you live by obedience, and you sacrifice. We hadn't even got to the best part of this story yet. That portion that we just read that's all what God was asking Abraham to do. This is the legacy part of the scripture right here. Genesis twenty-two sixteen. 16, it says, "'And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham "'a second time from heaven, and said, "'I have sworn,' declares the Lord, "'because you did your part.'" Remember, you do your part, I'm always faithful to do mine. "'Because you've done your part, "'and have not withheld your son, your only son.'" Here it is, this is the legacy portion. I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I don't have time to get into the rest of this story. But I encourage you when you leave today to read it because it is so profound. But when you fast forward to Genesis 26, Years later, you see a 58 year old man named Isaac, who was once on the altar in this story. And a famine has hit the land. Everything's dying. People are dying. Cattle's dying. The water's dried up. And he's afraid. And God comes to Isaac and he says, Hey, You don't ever have to worry. Because of the obedience of your father, Abraham, I am your provider. Because of the obedience and legacy of your father, I'm your provision. What is that called? Legacy. It's legacy. Uh, I don't know what you see when you see this orange chair, but this is a symbol of sacrifice yeah 25 years ago we had a hundred of these orange chairs in an old honky tonk and this is where we had our very first OSC service right here right here when I look at this picture I think of uh, the many people that sat in these chairs and, and heard a vision to plant a hundred churches and to reach thousands. Break pride, poverty, and prejudice. Yeah. Bring Jesus all across Acadiana. There was no evidence of it. <laughs> you surely couldn't see it when you went to the bathroom when there was horse troughs for urinals. <laughs> oh, I remember it. I was nine years old and my older brother was the worship leader. and, me and my Christian, we're on bagel duty, and I remember my dad leaving every Sunday and he would call the people that did not attend the church. I don't know how he did it, but he would preach and take notes. Where are they? And they'd write them down and they'd go home and call them. <clears throat> I remember it. I think of the people like Miss Mr. Iron, Miss Ginger Young. <laughs> I think of the Mendozas. I think of my grandparents. I think of the people that sat in this chair, right here. And they walked by faith, they were obedient, and they sacrificed even when they couldn't see it. And you know what you're sitting in today? The pew you're sitting in, this building, you know what you're sitting in? Their legacy. See, they were faithful when the baton was in their hand. Now the baton is in our hand. And now, I want you to hear me, it is our turn. An orange chair, a
2: symbol of sacrifice. It's a reminder of who we are and where we've been. A sign, pointing the way, from generation to generation.
1: So many it's a memories.
0: Years old. It it is. Is. I think I've sat in this before.
1: <laughs> this is the exact one that feels like me. Put like, your
0: name wow. on it. Yep. It's the actual <laughs> chair. It is. Wow.
1: Our, our harvest fest that we did out here. Yeah. Like classic. Classic Harvest so Fest memories.
0: What'd you dress
3: Best up as? I dressed Tell I dressed.
1: Them. I had a couple of things. One I dressed up as a hundred churches. <laughs>
3: I remember that. It's the, it's the you won,
1: the, 100 competition, 100 the, I won the competition, the costume. And it, true story, this scarred me. I won the competition, but they didn't give me the bike because I was a pastor's kid.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> and you know what? At
1: that moment, I said, I'm hurt.
0: But at Harvest Fest, I remember that was the first time I saw and heard about Don Mendoza and what had happened with him when he had his uh, wheelchair and stood up and said, this is what God's done for me in light of his story. It was amazing. That's
1: wild. One of the things I remember is every single Sunday, we're planting a hundred churches. And it's funny because you press play and you look now 2022 Mm -hmm. and you actually see, I think his heart was less about the churches and more about the people. Yeah. And I think he probably looked out and saw a hundred people saying, we're gonna have a hundred of these, but you actually look out now and see thousands and thousands and thousands of life change.
0: I remember learning about the power of the Holy Spirit in this room and feeling called to missions in this place Mm. and going my identity and who I was, it wasn't just for my mom and dad. It Mm. was also for me to pick up that baton Mm. and run as well going what an honor it is that we get to live beyond ourselves.
1: I think the thing I'm looking forward to is continuing to do what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. The vision never changes.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just our turn to fulfill it, yeah. and the vision's always been reaching people and building lives when you have a burden for these people in this community. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I was riding on the golf cart with my son. Every time he gets on my lap and wants to gra- grab the steering wheel, his first instinct is to yank it left. And the temptation for the next generation is always to do something new for the sake of doing right. new. But really the foundation of the path has been laid out before us. It's just simply our turn to continue doing what's already been done.
4: It feels like a life show situation where we've watched the Elijah's, mm-hmm. like we like your dad was youth pastor, like the best one preaching to clubs. And now it's cool that I'm sitting in St. Marvin Junior High
0: mm-hmm. with
4: a hundred kids coming to a Bible club.
0: We are a church planning church and to raise up the next generation of leaders to go out for missions and global missions and even just seeing one day young women Mm -hmm. come up into their God-given identity. I think I'm really passionate about seeing people bringing God into their workplace and into their own sphere. It takes all of us to build the body of Christ Absolutely. and to be, bring Christ into our everyday life of yeah.
4: where we are. One thing that I hear Pastor Jacob saying all the time is tear down pride, poverty, yep. and prejudice. And uh, a, a black man married to a white lady who has a mixed daughter is something that I really, really, like. God has placed on my heart as something to really tackle. And I love that that's the heart of this house.
0: When I think about those people who were in that room, um, I get very emotional thinking about it just because if I was to go back and tell all of them, every pain, every moment, every tear that you sowed is so worth it and has given us in the future generations to come and everyone in our house right now, the strength to also make that sacrifice. Thank you won't even begin to cover it, honestly.
4: I think stressing that every little thing matters. What you're doing right now is the reason why I have a family.
0: This isn't about us. This is about Jesus. This yeah. is about is so the the children and their children so and their children, and yeah. it keeps going on. Yeah. I would just say thank you for showing me who Jesus is.
1: Yeah, I think I would first say thank you because the first life that's been very impacted has been mine. Yeah. And my life has been built on the sacrifice of these people. Wouldn't be here, my wife, my family, what we're building wouldn't be here without them. You know, when you sow eternal seeds, the harvest is always so much bigger than you would ever imagine. (laughs) So much bigger than you'd ever imagine. And that's what I think, I think of the people that gave, and listened yeah. to a vision when we had 100 people right. inside of an all honky tonk. Yeah. That
3: didn't make sense. <laughs>
1: probably thinking, you are crazy. Yeah. And then to be able to see, wow, look at what God did.
0: Yeah.
1: Now it's our turn and we're carrying right. the baton.
0: Absolutely. And we're
1: doing the same thing. Absolutely. And there comes that moment mm-hmm. where you do it because it's the path that's laid out before you, but then there comes the moment where you do it because it's the burden that you have. Right. And you see, we serve a generational God, the God of yeah. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's so cool to see now it's our turn.
2: Someone said that either you sacrifice for your children or you sacrifice your children. I'm so grateful for all of those people in the orange chairs, aren't you? That they paid for the seat that you sit in they saw you before you ever got here and when i look at places where many people are dreaming for like youngsville fastest growing area wealthiest area they need a life-giving church they need a life-giving church they can't they can't build enough baseball fields to change kids lives They can't build enough schools to change kids' lives. They can't build enough restaurants or ponds or homes to change kids' lives. That is the job of the local church, to teach and raise up. But you see all the kids that are involved and and, and all the parks that are there, and that's so amazing. And then you go to Ville Platte. There aren't many parks. There aren't new restaurants. People aren't dreaming for the future there. The 75% African American community that earns $20,000 or less per year per household. But just because they don't have a daddy in many of those homes, it doesn't mean they don't have a Heavenly Father who hears the cry of every one of those children. And when they're in Youngsville, they can reach out and those children can say, Daddy, can you help me? But maybe when they're in Platte, they can't reach out to a daddy that might not be right there to say, help me. But they have a heavenly father who's looking for someone to tell what he sees and what he hears when those children pray and cry out at night. And that's us. That's us. We've asked you to, to pray last week and the week before, we told you what was coming and and to prepare to partner. And we ask you to come today and, and in every one of your pews, if you haven't brought it with you, there is a legacy card. And on the back, we've asked you to list your greatest need. What is your greatest need? If Jesus came and he sat right down beside you and he put his arm around you and said, what can I do for you? What one thing can I do for you? I can promise you the majority of you here, none of you would say, uh, I want to live in Riverage. I'd like to live at the pond. Most of you would say, my son, God, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my mama, my daddy, my brother, my sister. It'd be someone that was eternal. Someone said, there's just one life that soon will pass. But only what's done for Christ will last. something eternal. And then the second thing we ask you to do is to bring your single greatest one-time gift or pledge to be fulfilled by March 1st. your greatest need and your greatest gift. I told you there was three levels of giving. There's what you can afford to give. Maybe I could give $100 a month or maybe I could, maybe I have an extra five. This is what you could sacrificially give. Okay, if I, if I don't go here, or I don't buy that, I could give this. But then there's what you could give if you would partner with God and he would do something through you. I remember the first time Michelle and I took this challenge. It was to build the Broussard campus, the first building. Matter of fact, I want to tell you a story that's so good even with that. The architect for all of our buildings has been Charles Beasley. Say that. When he started drawing our first building 24 years ago, you know what he used to say? Would you pray for my son? My greatest need is that my son, Adam, would meet Jesus. My son, Adam, would... He drew the next building, this one. Would you, would you pray for my son? Do you know who the architect is for all of our new buildings? He's someone who's so addicted to this house that he goes to Midtown One Service and then comes here. Now, that's too radical for me. And it's Adam Beasley. Stand up, Adam. He's drawn all of these buildings. He now is the answer to all of his daddy's prayer. He didn't know I was going to do that. Thank you, Adam. And, and you can't outgive God. I told the story of the meshes. Who, for their legacy gift, that the, the Jackie, who's sitting right over here, gave her wedding ring and said, sell this so we can build a house. My marriage is done. I'm divorced. And it's over. And I didn't know what to do with the ring. I told you that. I just put it in a drawer at home. And two years later, Bo, her husband, was radically saved, changed and came back and asked if he could propose to her. And I gave him back the bear ring that she gave me two years before. And he didn't even know it. She didn't even know it until he got down on one knee and she looked at she goes, It's the ring. It's the ring. Hey, was Joseph's message good today? I remember when Joseph was the name on a card in this basket, not the pastor standing on the platform preaching to you. I I remember when Amberly Grace kept having boys and the final boy came out and on the umbilical cord was a big sign and it said, there's no girls in here. (laughs) And, and, And I remember Michelle writing on here, God, give us a little girl. Today, Amberly Grace is in our missions department, she's sitting up here on the front row, and she'll be helping during the ushers. There is something that happens when we take a step of faith and partner with the one thing that Jesus built. Though he was a carpenter, there's only one thing he built, and it was his church. Because it was the one thing he wanted to leave into society to change it and transform the heart of men, bring heaven to earth, and then prepare us for our heaven that is to come. So we want you to write your single greatest gift with your single greatest need. And then I told you about the miracle we had. How many of you were here last week? You you heard about the miracle? That there was a group of men, legacy founders who got together, found out about these projects to transform communities and said, we wanna be apart. We wanna be apart from Youngsville to Abbeville to Lafayette to Bill Platt. And they gathered together and put a matching grant together. So for every dollar you give, it's matched. If you gave $100, it becomes $200. If you gave 1,000, it becomes 2,000. If you give, whatever you give, it's doubled. And I announced to you last week, it's the biggest miracle in the history of our church. That matching grant is $9 million. $9 million. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and to bring your legacy card. And again, if you haven't filled it out, they're there with pens in front of you. And to list your greatest need, your greatest gift. And then I want you to come, and we're going to drop them off here. We're going to take, and we're going to tear off this card. And we're going to begin to pray over your greatest need. We're going to carry it into our week of fasting and prayer in January right before spiritual renewal. And when you come up and drop that off, you're going to get a communion receptacle. And then we're going to go back and celebrate the greatest sacrifice of all, communion, when Jesus laid down his life so that we could have eternal life. So would would you take your card with me right now and hold it in your hand? Because I want to pray for every card. And then we're going to stand together in just a moment. The worship team is going to lead us, and then the ushers are going to direct you, and you're going to come and drop off your card, and then pick up one of the communion receptacles. Regardless of whether you're giving a gift or not, I want you to come, and I want you to drop off your single greatest need. Listen carefully to me. You say, Pastor, who is this for? It's for people who believe this is their church because it's the people that believe it was their church that built this church so you could be here to take the baton for the next generation. Three of those four people that were on the orange chairs were children sitting in those chairs. Children sitting in those chairs. Lauren Graham, the blonde-headed girl who's an actress, grew up five, six, seven years old, God restored their family in our church. The first check written for this building, I asked 30 people, took them out to dinner one-on-one and said, would you give $30,000 a year for three years so we could build a building in Lafayette? We had 150, 200 people across the way at Westminster. And they were the first couple that I asked. And when I looked over and asked, Roxanne Graham looked at George and said, George, this is a miracle. You just sold your boat for $120,000. And he looked at me like, yeah, it is a miracle. (laughs) Do do you know who's in charge of our media department? Stand up, Caleb, right back in the back. That's their son-in-law. I married them three years ago. They were sowing in the future of their own son-in-law and didn't even know it. You cannot give God. So would you take your card as I pray for you right now? Heavenly Father, I stand together right now by faith with every man, woman, boy, and girl. Look, we don't know the needs. We don't know the heart cries. We don't know the prayers that are prayed by mamas and daddies, grandmothers, grandfathers, husbands and wives, that as they lay in bed, crying, oh God. Please meet us in this area. Please touch my husband, my child, my grandchild, my sister, my brother, my neighbor, my best friend. But you hear every cry from Ville Platt to Abbeville. All across this entire region, you hear every cry and you're looking for someone to share that with. And you've left one institution to hear that cry and respond, your church. And today, we partner together in faith and obedience and sacrifice with every single person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Michelle and I are going to join you today and we're going to give the biggest gift that we've ever given in our history, just like the $10,000 back in the day. Because we believe that the local church is the hope of the world and that lives are waiting to be changed by our obedience. Look at me, mom and daddy. There isn't anything that you wouldn't sacrifice for your children. God's got children too, not just yours. And today, as you give, you are sacrificing and sowing into their future. God made Michelle and I promise a long time ago. You build my house, and I'll build yours. You care for my children, and I'll care for yours. You saw the answer to that prayer preached today. So would you begin to come now, ushers? Would you direct us?
3: This is a place of praise, where every demon trembles, where we proclaim your name, this is, this is a house of healing, and our hearts are full. the feet of jesus everything in the name of jesus
2: receptacle and peel back that first line let me let me ask you a question how many of you when you look back at those orange chairs you would not have gone to that church I know but we knew but people in those orange chairs knew that if they built this building you would come And when you look at Midtown and New Iberia and Abbeville and Youngsville, what do you think we'll be looking at 25 years from now? The darker the world gets, the more it needs the church. I told you last week, 4,500 churches close their doors each year. 3,000 open up with a net loss of 1,500 churches. Is it any wonder that the world is getting darker? Because the light and the hope and the salt of the earth is closing its doors. What is going to happen to the world but it decides to get tasteless and darker? But I am so grateful for what God is doing here and your obedience to God. Thank you. For those of you that joined in the orange chairs, I saw Kim Key, her, her mom and daddy, has so much seed in this house. Thank you to, to the Grahams who wrote the first check, to Iron Ginger, to, to the Mendoza, to so many people that are here that believed that all of this would happen plus more when it was just orange chairs. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus sat at the table with his disciples, he saw you. He saw you. Aren't you grateful for the sacrifices of those who saw us before we could even see ourselves where we were? So would you take that? And I want you to hold it in your fingers like this. And the Bible says that his body was broken for us. So would you just break it just like that? Would you take the body? And then he held up the cup and Jesus said, this cup is the New Testament. It represents my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Would you receive of the cup? Today, Lord, as we receive communion together, we thank you for your sacrifice. That indeed sacrifice is the way you've chosen to further your kingdom. It began with your sacrifice, Father, of your son. And Jesus with you sacrificing yourself. And today we thank you that we get to plan and partner and participate with you as we see heaven come to earth through the local church, the hope of the world. In Jesus' name. Now, would you just give the Lord a great clap and a shout? I I wanna I wanna bless you. Pastor Joseph's back in the back. I want you to look at him and go, You are better looking than your daddy was at that age. I just saw him. Did you enjoy that message he shared with us today? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and may make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and may bless you when you're going out and coming in again and may all that you set your hand to seeking both God and his kingdom may prosper and may bless it and as your pastor, I bless you in the name of the Father, his son Jesus and the all abiding Holy Spirit. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week.